Good morning, everybody. It's uh, so good to be here. Uh, You know, last year we stopped meeting for a while, and uh, it was good to be back. But somehow, uh, last Sunday, uh, personally, uh, it just seemed better. I don't know. I I wanted to be here more. Uh, I don't know if it was because so many of us had been sick or Sister Jane's passing. I just don't know. But anyway, I was thankful to be back, and again, thankful to be here today. It seems more precious to me. I desire an interest in your prayers, and not just for right now, but that we as a church would know uh, where this is going with me taking time and trying to preach, and that it would be God's will. Uh, I was told by uh, a preacher that I know very well that... uh, Somebody asked Spurgeon one time something in this aspect, uh, how he felt about uh, men that felt called to preach, and and how in his aspect, in the aspect of Spurgeon, uh, wanting to know, uh, you know, about the calling and how it goes. And, and Spurgeon said something to the aspect he would rather that the church saw a calling, uh, that there were many, than for just one to get up and say at the calling. And uh, I certainly uh, desire that with y'all. It's, there's, a, there's something here that we're working toward, folks, and we're trying to find out where it's at. And uh, that may be unusual, may be different in Primitive Baptist, uh, but uh, here, nonetheless, that's how I am. That's how we are. I think Jake expressed the same idea. So uh, please be in prayer for us uh, as we go along. So uh, with that little bit said... Uh, it's interesting to me, the last time I tried to speak was on uh, depravity, and I don't know if you all remember, but the Sunday before, Brother Marty had the subject of depravity, and uh, uh, I didn't know if Brother Marty would want to use me last week or not, uh, being Jake went last and all the turmoil that we've had, so I got ready for last Sunday, and <laughs> it happened again, that's so hilarious to me. Uh, two months later, and uh, the subject I want to talk about is... Uh, uh, is, is, is concerning uh, God resurrecting or making alive or uh, 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 bringing his people forth uh, from death unto life. And so I realized, well, maybe Marty's just been, the Sunday before has just been laying the groundwork for me, see? So <laughs> yeah, that's conceited, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's not it at all. All right, here we go. God makes the dead alive. I heard that somewhere a while back, and it's just stuck in my head. He makes the dead alive. It's kind of an unusual statement to think about, but uh, as we go into the scriptures, I think we can see what's going on. So you all remember the last time I spoke and took too much time talking about uh, uh, how the natural things, God just takes those things to show us spiritual ideas. Natural stuff, I think basically that's what it is. We don't really get spiritual. It's just, it's, we're natural. We have our five senses that we're connected to this world. And even though we're born again and we have an understanding, we're still physically connected to this world. So the subject I want to look about is death. So uh, uh, kind of an unpleasant subject maybe, but I think when we get to the end, uh, we'll see uh, something uh, exciting, comforting, out of it. So why does God use the natural 
experience of death. What is there? Disconnected from the world. And we're back. What is there uh, about death that that God would use that uh, phenomenon? I mean, it's a natural thing. We understand that. What is it? Why not extremely sick? What would be the difference? Why why death? Anybody want to shoot it? Show what? Pardon? It's final. It's final. I like that. Yes. Anybody else? No hope. Pardon? No hope. No hope. I mean, from our perspective, remember, that's what we're talking about now. You and I's perspective. When we see death, there is no hope to be in with that one again. It's a final thing. Uh, is it permanent? That's one of the words I come up with. It's permanent. And as far as we're concerned, Sister Ann, there's nothing else. Uh, being extremely sick doesn't do that. There's hope. It's not final. The one may get well. And it's not permanent. Uh, it's something that we can't change. Or a southern expression, we can't fix it. You know? Uh, I like my duct tape and fix things. I'm going to fix this with that. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, death. So let's uh, look into this a little bit. Uh, in my studies, I found five different kinds of dead being made alive. And remember, the topic is, he makes the dead alive. So we'll run through these quick, and then we'll get, then we'll adjust the topics, and then we'll go through them. So uh, we're dead in sin. Uh, I think as Primitive Baptists, we understand that quite well. Dead in sin. He makes the dead in sin alive. Dead in body, natural death. And sometimes, like in the case of Lazarus, he made the dead alive, come back to natural life. Uh, dead in the graves, all of those on the last day that are in the grave, he's going to call forth, and they're going to live again. From our perspective, they're coming out. Those that's done evil, those that's done good, they're all coming out. He makes those, uh, those dead live again. Dead to fellowship. Uh, he makes those folks live again to fellowship. And a little obscure one that I, I came across was interesting to me. Uh, the dead body and womb of Abraham and Sarah. And that lived again. So let's take a look at these things. Just to kind of run through it. I'm going to go through four of them rather quickly. Uh, we'll go from what I just read. We'll go in ascending order. I want to spend most of the time with dead in sin because that's, I think, the whole point of this whole exercise is, is all of these other things Jesus did to show us what death and being raised and from our perspective is all about. So, uh, the dead body and womb of Abraham and Sarah. In Romans 4, 19, it says about Abraham and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was all about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He was uh, 99 and Sarah was 89 when God came to him. And, and it was 24 years earlier when he was 75 and she was 65 
And God said, you're going to have a son. And, and from that, uh, there'll be uh, a multitude that no man can number. I think God can number it. It's just saying there's so many folks, we're not going to be able to number it. And uh, Abraham and Sarah waited 24 years. And God came and visited them and told him that next year, about this time, Sarah will conceive. And it said that he staggered not at the promise, uh, but was strong in faith, neither considering uh, his own body now dead or Sarah's womb. So, was that permanent thing as far as in their perspective? Could they fix it? No. They couldn't do it. Pardon? It's, it's the way it was. Uh, God, But God can make the dead alive. You see what I'm saying? So there's a picture for us. All right, let's go on to the next idea. Dead to fellowship and being made alive. First uh, Titus 5, 6. It's just a quick, short verse. Don't turn there. First uh, Timothy, excuse me. Uh, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. It's talking about some of the widows and how the church is supposed to handle uh, situations over there. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. And it's talking about this uh, uh, or a, a particular aspect that could happen that uh, uh, because of the way this woman was living, she was dead while she lived. Well, we're just talking about no fellowship with God. She was going along doing her thing and she had lost fellowship with God. I think we can understand that ourselves. Maybe let's look at another person uh, there. Uh, Luke fifteen twenty four. I'll just turn there real quick. Luke fifteen twenty four. This is about the prodigal son, and and he's he came to his right mind in out in the hog pen. He got up and went home, walked home, and his father was out watching for him. And his father said, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Uh, the son would never died. This my son was dead is alive again. We're not talking about that he died over yonder. We're just talking about that he was out of fellowship. The son was out of fellowship with the Father, and and fellowship was being restored. Where was the fellowship? Well, let's go on to the next one, then I'll ask that question. So uh, let's go to uh, uh, Psalms 51.10. Create, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Uh, King David uh, had committed the sin of seeing Bathsheba, committed the sin of adultery. Uh, there was a child that now conceived, trying to cover it up. He had uh, uh, Bathsheba's wife, uh, husband Uriah, murdered. Uh, he, was, he was the one that caused that, had him killed. He was the murderer aspect of it. And he thought everything was cool. He got away with it. And here come Nathan the prophet. And Nathan gave him this little story about the, the uh, one man that had one sheep and the, and the guy next to you that had a lot of sheep, you know, took his sheep and all this. 
And, and, and Nathan said, David, you're the man who caused all this. David's fellowship because of his sin had been severed. And, and I don't think David realized it until Nathan came. Now he sees that other people know, and he knows he's out of fellowship with God. And I don't know what the distance is of time, but when you get to, to this Psalms 51.10, he's begging God he wants to be back into fellowship. He was dead in fellowship to God, and he wanted to be in fellowship, and he's asking God, restore unto me. Uh, the, uh, the prodigal son came home hoping he could just be a servant, but the father forgave him and made him alive again. David's asking the father, see, this is a situation we can't fix. If I've offended somebody and there's no more fellowship, I can do, I go and ask and beg forgiveness, but unless the other person grants that, you see what I'm saying? That fellowship is dead until I can't fix it. I can't change it, but God can make the dead alive. All right, let's move on. Uh, dead in the graves... Uh, and being uh, alive again, uh, let's go to John five twenty eight, and it speaks here and says, "Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice, and they shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation." At that last day. Jesus is coming back. He's bringing all those departed souls with him that have been in heaven, those that are, are, uh, have died that are the non-elect and their souls are in, in, uh, in hell at the time. All of that's coming back, and he's going to call the bodies with his voice. Remember Brother Marty talking about that, that there's a call and a response, and Jesus is going to say, y'all come forth, and all those bodies are coming out of the graves. Doesn't matter. There are people that will be alive, and the Bible discusses that, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the dead. Do those dead folks have any, uh, is there, what's their situation <laughs> from, our, from our perspective? They're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so, uh, 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 something I heard, yeah, that's exactly it. They're dead all over like the old dog Rover. That's exactly what I was thinking about, Brother Sam. So, uh, I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, they can't change it. They can't fix it. It's permanent. There's no hope, and it's final. That's where it's at. But guess what? He can make the dead alive. And he's called all those folks out. All right, let's move to the next one. So here's a situation where uh, uh, a fellow had died uh, by the name of Lazarus. And Jesus comes on the scene four days later. And, uh, and he asked where they'd laid him. And they went out to the tomb. And Jesus wept. Y'all remember that? And I really... I'd never really looked at that, Jesus weeping, and the others around him said, behold how he loved him. Yeah. And, and just a little side note, I think when we cry in grief over a loved one, those tears is a testament to our love to that person. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You cry, let them come freely. Anyway, so Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come forth. And Lazarus was dead, but he came out. Yes, sir. But it wasn't under his will. But in our perspective, that can't happen. But God, in a very open way, is showing us 
He's got power to make the dead alive. We can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't work with it. Uh, but God makes the dead alive, and it's with his voice. Remember that. Brother Marty talked about that. All right. Um, so let's go to the one I want to talk about. All these other examples, the dead, Abraham's body being dead, the dead to fellowship, dead in the graves and the last trump, and all the dead will be raised when Jesus calls them out. And, uh, and, 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 and God saying to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. These are all pictures for us to understand, in my perspective, and my thinking, this last one of being dead in sin. So we'll take a little bit longer look at that. Probably, probably used all my time. Sure enough, half. Jeez Louise, time goes by so fast. All right, here we go real quick. Uh, let's look at uh, uh, John 5.24. 5.25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. So there's some dead folks out there. Uh, uh, let's take another look at Ephesians 2.1, and it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you, he's talking to the church at Ephesus, I'm talking to the church at Dallas. And you hath he, being God, quickened, that means made alive, who were dead. How are we dead? In trespasses and sins. Uh, Sister Ann, here's how it works. I'm picking you out just because you're sitting on front row. That's right. I pick on the front row. All right. This applies to every one of you. All right. Here's how it works, Sister Ann. When you were conceived a while back, just a while back, and, and you were, and before you were born again, you were dead in sin. Your heart's pumping. Your brain's thinking. It's, it, this is a hard concept for, for a lot of people to understand. But it's the same as the dead in fellowship. Remember it said that she, was, she that was living in pleasure was dead while she liveth? All of us, every one of you, from conception to when you were born again, you were dead in sin. It's just where you were. We just read the scripture. And you hath he quickened who were dead in sin. So that dead in sin is dead uh, to God, dead to spiritual things, dead to God. Can you fix it is the question. We've answered it all these. Can you change it? No. Uh, is it permanent? <laughs> yeah. To us it is permanent. Is there any hope, Sister Andrea, when you're dead? There's no hope. This isn't being sick, folks, like we said earlier. Really bad sick. And so you're like, well, I'm really bad sick to the things of God, but I'll get over it, and then I'll be close to God. Now, this is, we're not talking about fellowship. We're talking about life, spiritual life with God. So, Sister Ann, you're dead in fellowship. Then that voice came one day, and he said, be alive. It's like it, the picture is so beautiful to me of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. God said to you, and come forth, and you became alive. You're alive, Sister Ann, to God. Not while, Sister Andrea, guess what? You're alive to God. For Sam, Sister Kathy, you're alive. 
You were dead. Jim, Judy, you were dead in sins. God spoke, come forth. And you're alive. Lloyd. I mean, I could name everybody in here. You are alive. You are alive. Come forth. And you lived. Was there any option for you? Did Lazarus have any option? Oh, Lord, you know, I kind of like this grave in here, this tomb. His rocks are pretty cool around here in that stone. He didn't even know that. You're dead to the things of God. And the one that can make the dead alive spoke to each one of you, each one of his children. Brother Marty, come forth. And you lived. Now, Sister Ann, you may say, how do I know that? Is that really true? You want me to prove it to you? I got a verse I can prove it to you. You want me to read it? All right. We know, this is 1 John 3.14. Sister Ann, we know that we have passed from death unto life. Something we can know. And that we've passed from dead and sin unto life with God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now, on our little group me thing, I think you stick out in my mind more to say, I love the church, I love the interaction, I love this. Do you love the brother and sister Ann? Yes, you do. Guess what? It just proved that you've heard his voice and you're alive. Isn't that cool? I love it. The next part of this is interesting too. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Abiding in death. Huh? No, it doesn't say he is dead. Exactly. He's abiding in death. That means he's still heart pumping, brain waves going, you know, stomach juices working on the last hamburger and all that stuff. <laughs> he's abiding. He's living in death. He's, he's dead in sin. But in that moment, Sister B, Brother Jeremy, the Hoskin family back there, Sister Patsy, Brother Sean, and your family. At that moment, if you're one of the elect, that God chooses somewhere between conception and the grave, and he says, come forth, come alive, be mine. You're alive. Y'all, you're alive. I don't know, I just can't. I keep, I've been telling me that all week long, and it's just, I want to feel it instead of just say it. Like Brother Don Ferris used to say, this thing I want to drop 18 inches to, from being a head thought to feeling it in my heart. All right? He makes the dead alive.